Hey, boo friends, it's your girl Maria, the spiritual homegirl. I was going to uh, wait until I got an episode to my producer to talk, but it is currently 444. Ooh, angel number. Okay, 444 on the 18th of May in beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. And I want to share a message. But before I do that, um, y'all know I can't do any podcast episode without thanking you all for listening. So thank you for listening, boo friend. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out there in podcast land, you choose to limit your ears usually once a week for about an hour or so. And I hella appreciate that. So I am feeling away. I'm feeling away and I want to see if I'm tripping. I'm seeing a lot of discourse online that is polarizing purposely polarizing it seems like over the last hmm, 14 days it's been extremely polarizing now i know it's cute to blame things on retrograde let's let's just get this out the way when i started spiritual homegirl september well when i launched the podcast i should say september 15 2016 um i had three episodes uh two of them are lost actually um (laughs) i cannot I don't know what happened with where I was launching it, but the first two episodes are nowhere to be found. I'm pretty sure if I dig in my vault deep enough, I can actually um, find them. The first one being who is spiritual homegirl and retrograding or not. And since I launched in the middle of the worst retrograde I was having in terms of tech issues, um, that was a really important (laughs) episode. So most of the times, if you go back through my, my, my catalog, maybe 280 plus episodes back, you'll see that the first one is actually episode three, which is um, Hater 101. And I need to actually update that. But retrograde is not... Well, you know, we can talk about that too because that's also polarizing. Y'all know how I feel about retrograde. I am sick and tired of the lie and the perpetuation of Mercury retrograde to scare people into readings, to scare people into buying products, to scare people into lead generation with email and text lists. I'm tired of the lie. I'm tired of the lie. Because my thing is this. Mercury retrograde does not do anything to you unless you let it do something to you. I used to be a person who fell for the BS with, oh my God, Mercury retrograde is going to be terrible. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I started manifesting BS in my life because I had already subconsciously accepted based on the foolery I was seeing that Mercury retrograde was in some way, shape or form destined to make my life a living hell for three, well, technically six, six ish week. If you want to count pre, you know, shadow phase and then, you know, actual retrograde and then the um, direct phase and then going out into the shadow until it finishes. So I was manifesting messy six weeks of confusion and frustration and impatience and intolerance of the circumstances that were happening to me because I somehow expected BS because of Mercury retrograde. I really want people to see through this BS. You don't have to accept that. Everything we have in this life to accept or not accept is a choice. I know people don't like to say that because it kind of takes the power um, out of whoever's hands is trying to tell you something. It puts it back in yours. But you do have the power to accept or not accept 
what is going to happen to you once you're conscious of what's going on. Again, like I said, subconsciously, sometimes we take content in, it sticks with us. We can't control that, but consciously we can. So I'm telling y'all, I'm challenging y'all actually to challenge yourself as to what you're going to accept in terms of how things are going to play out in your life based on the stars. So that's my thing about retrograde. So if you're going somewhere, you might want to leave a little bit earlier. If you're on the phone making calls, like yesterday, I had a situation where I was making about 20 to 30 phone calls yesterday because I was trying to set things up. And the people that I was calling had phone issues, but I was calling multiple departments. Therefore, I had multiple calls per call because I had to get transferred over and then it would hang up and, and I could have gotten very upset. And the entire ordeal took about two to three hours. But I realized this is the time where I am tested. I can pass or I can fail. We know how this goes. Things can happen. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. I still got to handle this business. So I'm not going to sit here and get frustrated. I'm not going to throw my phone. I'm not going to cuss about it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Like, it is what it is. It's happening. I'm going to ride the wave. I'm not going to let the wave ride me. I'm not going to let the wave crash me out. I'm going to ride this bitch until the end of the retrograde, which is, I think, what, first week of June? I'm not, well, mid-June if you want to chill out. For me, I, I like to kind of take a couple of weeks after the shadow just to kind of chill. But either way, it's really a time for me to just pause and reflect and things of that nature. It's not chaos. I'm not accepting chaos in my life. I'm not letting somebody on social media tell me that my life is going to be chaotic. No, I'm going to brace myself for whatever is going to happen. But I'm going to always live my life to the fullest and do my best. I'm not going to let somebody tell me I'm going to have negativity in my life. I'm not going to accept that. No. Um, and, you know, in terms of protection energy, do what y'all got to do with that, too. Um, <laughs> I will leave it at that. Protection comes in different forms. Some do steel. Some do the wheel. You know what I'm saying? In terms of praying. And some do, you know, candles. And some do their own custom things and practices. Some, you know, are into African spirituality. Some read Psalms. You feel me? There's there's whole There's a whole different world when it comes to protection that you can you know create for yourself based on what you choose to practice um so that is <laughs> my take on retrograde but that's a polarizing take that i see and i think it's very problematic i think it's fear-mongering and it really puts us in a anxiety cycle to expect stuff which can be traumatizing oop now we're about to use this msw i got on friday okay <laughs> But those that don't know, I graduated with my master's um, in social work on Friday. Oh, I didn't tell y'all, did I? I don't know if I told y'all on the podcast, but I've been in school for like the last two years. So I was getting my master's in social work and I have my aspirations. I mean, I was already kind of doing, well, spiritual homegirl from what one of my mentors was telling me was already social work-ish kind of work because it is community-based and because it is wellness-centered and things of that nature. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and get my master's and we'll see what happens. And I did. And we got that done on Friday. My degree was conferred officially um, on Monday saying, hey, you know, as of Friday, you do have your master's. So ain't no unfinished business, okay? It's, it's, it's done, okay? So, um, but yeah, from a from a mental health professional standpoint, um, because I do work in the field as well, um, it can lead to traumatizing cycles where you literally have programmed your brain, your mind and your um, your brain slash mind and your body and even your spirit to expect this kind of stuff. The memory of, of tra- a traumatic retrograde period 
can continue to manifest because you know it's coming. You have a trigger that's going to happen consistently. So if you have like, for instance, for me, right? I had a, a retrograde period that was so bad. Everything that went wrong did. I'm talking car issues, communication issues. Um, what was some other stuff that happened? Tech issues like a mug. Um, and I just got really frustrated. And I remember thinking when I didn't know no better, oh, this retrograde whooping my ass. In actuality, um, I had created a, a situation where this date was associated with this stuff. Rather than separate, this is many years ago, but rather than separate these events as, okay, this is what happened. These are separate things. I lumped them together. I called it pretty much like a retrograde curse. I accepted it. I adopted it. I remember my feelings with it. I remember how bad I felt. I remember some of the frustrations, the emotional issues that I was having with it. And that put for the next three retrogrades until I shook myself out of it, that put into place a memory where if I knew a retrograde was coming up, I could literally feel it in my body like, oh, shit, here we go. This retrograde is going to be terrible. All because I had a series of events in a three-week period go bad. I, had di- I didn't even factor in what was going on with me and what was going on with them. I just lumped it into retrograde. No accountability of me. No accountability of self. No reflection. No introspection. I just lumped it in with the BS of, oh, it's retrograde, and I moved on. And then I adopted this, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. And after the third retrograde, I was like, this is some BS. And I actually started talking to some elders that were kind of giving me the game. And they're like, no, what you're seeing online, it's been a lot like that for many years. It's not just something that just happened the last three, four years. It's talking about 10 years ago. Um, people have been kind of talking about retrograde. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. There are some great pioneers of social media spirituality. And what I mean by that is all the modalities of tarot astrology um prayers rituals like it's a lot of great pioneers but there was also a lot of bs as well and the same way those pioneers did great work to where a lot of people including myself were able to kind of run um and stand on their shoulders respectfully um it's a lot of people that are still realizing that the fear mongering and the marketing of spirituality is entertainment and messy and stuff like that. That image um, can also sell just as much because our society loves the drama. We love the drama. We love the mess. So um, whether it's true or not, like I see a whole bunch of lies get traction. I mean, come on, the Rihanna, Travis, uh, oop. <laughs> the Rihanna. ASAP Rocky, I'm thinking about Travis Scott for some reason today. But the Rihanna ASAP Rocky like cheating thing, that was a lie. That was a whole lie. And it literally went worldwide within minutes. Everybody had a think piece. Everybody had a reaction. Everyone got on YouTube and talked about it. Everybody made posts on social media, all this reactionary content. So I'm just saying our society gobbles up the bullshit because we like it. Some of y'all individually may not. I know at times I don't. But... Sometimes, I mean, there's some things that's happening right now where I'm seeing some stuff unfold and I'm like, oh, we need to know that. So at some ends, we love the mess because it's just messy or we love the mess because it's informative. And whether you love the mess or not, it'll be up to you um, <laughs> for whatever reason. But, you know, when it comes to lies, though, oh, societally speaking, oh, we love the lie. The lie goes so much further than the truth. Going back to the whole ASAP um, Rihanna thing. But in terms of... um the 
the polarizing takes though please y'all do not fall for this bs do not fall for what you see do not let someone tell you what your life is going to be at the end of the day you you know now my thing is readings and stuff if you get your readings if you get your um if you get your consultations with your elders whatever you do you know just know that you know, that's advice but that's not meant to be something where you just disregard your own intuition because ultimately people are telling you from theirs or from whatever source they're pulling from so just remember at the end of the day go get your help if you need to right but just remember that you ultimately have your own intuition to play into so today's talking points basically because i've been going everywhere because i've just been kind of off the cuff per usual these days these last six months seven eight months is just to remember that number one you don't have to accept bs because someone tells you that that's what's happening you always have the right to go get your own chart done and look at these things for yourself and consult with somebody reputable to get a different opinion because sometimes collective messages can be great there's some bomb readers that do collect the messages, but they individuals be just as fire. But just don't try to make things fit your life because you you like who you like. That's what I'm saying. Take what works, leave what doesn't. When it comes to retrograde, do not take anything negative. Do not accept negativity. Because if you are going to accept negativity, it's going to manifest. Once you hold on to that energy of the expectation of bullshit, it's going to manifest until you separate that from your spirit. If you're going to adopt that, it's not going to leave until you kick that out. <laughs> okay, so that's the first point. The second point is always remember that your intuition, no matter how you feel about it, whether you're confident in it or not, your intuition is always there to be used. And at the end of the day, it's always a good option, even outside of the options that you seek. Again, I love I love my readers out there. I love them. I think everybody should have a, you know, if if you're into that, if you're into that, because you don't have to be. And what I mean by readers, I mean, there are elders who pray on things and get back to you. If you're in the Christian faith, you know, sometimes there's some elders that, you know, they will pray on things and they might have some things in the dream and get back to you. There are some people who do cards. There's some people that read energy. There's a lot of different ways to 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 get some answers out there. But just know that however you get them, whether you have a team of all stars like me or not, <laughs> just know that at the end of the day, your intuition is also a good thing to consider, okay? There's been situations where I've gotten a reading before and the reading was incorrect. It happens, okay? It happens. It happens more than we, than we like to admit. But at the end of the day, your intuition is always the option, always an option. Somebody could give you, matter of fact, it's like directions, right? You're like, yo, I'm kind of in this area, but I don't really remember what. I don't remember what street or what, where, where is that spot? So it's somewhere around here. That's like you being like, hey, you stop in the middle of the street. Hey, you know how to get to so-and-so? Oh yeah, you're going to make a left, right, left, right. I think you're going to make a left at that corner there. You're going to see the McDonald's on your right. And then keep riding by up a mile. You're going to see it. You'll be like, okay, thanks. And you, you know, put your window up. And you keep driving it, even though they didn't told you how they remember how to get there. You're still like, nah, I think I'm I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna make a U-turn and, and turn on this other street. I just passed and, and try again. Like you still and whether you get there or not, you know, it is what it is. But just saying that you still always have that option to follow it. Now, not having accountability and lying like that's intuition and relying on your intuition to lie. 
and relying on your intuition to lie to yourself and be in denial and surround from accountability, that's different. That's also a choice, but that's not what I'm talking about here. And maybe in another episode, I'll talk about that a little bit more in depth because I do see a lot of times where people do kind of use spirituality to absolve themselves from uh, accountability, which I don't think is fair. Um, we pick and choose sometimes what to actually accept when it comes to holding ourselves accountable but we can do all this other stuff for holding others accountable i think we pick and choose a lot of stuff based on who we like and what we like in terms of um how to apply it to ourselves which i think is going to be problematic in the future if we don't keep it real with ourselves again i'm never above what i say i'm not perfect i don't ever want to act like i'm this super perfect person um because that's a lie i've never believed in super polished super perfection kind of images because i know that they're fake and I've just never wanted to present myself like that either um, because I know it's not realistic. So, yeah, this is a pretty random episode, but um, I just wanted to jump on mic real quick. It is 5 p.m., 5-ish around this time. It's still sunny in California, too, and I want to get outside. So, again, don't let retrograde run your life. You run things, things no run you, okay? And second thing, don't fall for the BS with the polarizing stuff. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about initially. It's a lot of negative discourse in our community, Um, a lot of gender war stuff. Please watch for the hook with that. It is designed to mess with your emotions. It is designed to keep you programmed into always having to have the discussion. Think about this. Would you have situations with strangers on things that affect your safety and things that affect your life? Would you have in-depth layered conversations with strangers about this, not knowing their emotional capacity, not knowing their mental capacity, not knowing if they're going to comprehend and actually understand or if they're just going to hear you out to respond? If the answer is no, then why would you do it on social media? I had to learn this lesson as well. It's just certain stuff I'm not going to touch on social media. Why would I talk to a whole ass stranger about something that is close to my heart, not even knowing if you got the heart to have that discussion logically or have it maturely with me? No, we're not doing that. We're conserving energy. I'm going to conserve my energy. My energy is on extra stingy right now. And I hope that your energy is stingy too. Because when we have these exchanges with people, it takes things out of us. It drains us. It zaps us. And if it's not a mutually beneficial exchange, you're going to be drained on social media. You're going to hate social media. And you're going to be like, you know what? I don't like having these discussions because there's nothing fruitful coming for them. Now, again, there are sometimes you can have decent conversations. I like to keep it light and keep it surface level. But when it comes to things that are really intellectually um, deep to me, or when it comes to something that is community centered and things of that nature that um, have multiple layers that I can't necessarily, um, it's not even that I can't, I just won't. I just feel like certain conversations I don't like to have in text form. There's conversations that I can have on the phone. There's conversations I can have on video. There's conversations I can have in person, most preferably in person. Because again, like having the body language and being able to communicate in person with somebody in general is is preferred. But when it comes to things that are really, really um, emotionally triggering for some, or when it's on something, again, that's a safety thing, or when it's on something that has so many different variables and layers... I, I don't wish to engage with people about that. I might have my take on certain aspects within the conversation, but in terms of just trying to attack the entire conversation, I won't. Like, for instance, I might have had my opinion about Kevin Samuels, and I don't think I did an episode about Kevin Samuels 
after he died. Because I definitely, one of the most recent episodes I did was talking about Kevin Samuels. <sighs> you know what? Let's just knock this out. I've only been talking for 20 minutes. So let's go, let's pivot real quick. So the same way that I could have a conversation about Kevin Samuels and being problematic on my platform in a podcast form, or I may be able to kind of illustrate on Instagram in terms of having a in-depth conversation about some of the issues I've had with his delivery, some of the lack of credentialing that he had and things of that nature. I wouldn't have that online. It's not enough characters and not to mention characters to actually type out and not to mention like everybody's not equipped to have that conversation because a lot of times people's opinions of people is based on who they like. It's not based on the fact that, you know, it's a it's a clearly observable fact or action. It's based on feeling, how people make us feel. And because people make us feel good or empowered, for better or for worse, sometimes it's hard for us to see the truth about people. And rather than have that the conversation with folks that I probably would never talk to off app, I just don't engage with it on app. And while I'm on Kevin Samuels, um, I was not happy when he died. I was not sad when he died. I was not mad when he died. I was quite indifferent. This is a gentleman that I did not know who passed away. I did not like his approach in life. I would not like his approach in death. I mean, that's the problem with American death culture. American death culture is fake. The way we do things in death is that when people die, well, actually, when people are living, we treat them like shit. We do. We treat them poorly. We annihilate them. We murder them in words, image, rumors, reputation. We talk all this mess about them. And when they die, they get an outpouring of love that they should have got on earth. They only would have gotten it in death. That's fake to me. The second thing we do is that when someone dies, we romanticize them as this all perfect being. We say, we, we kind of put them on like a saint status. And that's not true either. And um, in the case of Kevin Samuels, that's kind of how I felt. It was kind of like, just because you did don't mean I'm going to change up what I said. I said what I said in life and in death. And that's not changing. I do care about, you know, people losing someone close to them. Nobody you know, deserves to find out they sunned out on the internet. You know, that's wild. But it doesn't change my opinion towards the view. Doesn't. Um, doesn't make me happy. Doesn't make me sad again. It's just that I don't know him. There's been plenty of people that I didn't know that passed away that I just, I'm not going to force an emotion that just does not exist. Now, if it was, a, if I knew a person, you know, if I knew him and I actually agree with his teachings, then I'm probably sure I probably would have felt something, but there's nothing to feel. I think someone tried to hit me on social media and was like, well, you know, does this connection transcend spirit or something of that nature? And I'm like, is it is it beyond happy or sad? And I'm like, all this is connected. There is no transcending. I was like, you know, if if my spirit is not feeling that if I don't have a connection with this man, there is nothing that's going to go to it, mind or body. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to feel sad about it. Um, we can be connected, but it doesn't mean that I have to have a reaction. And what I mean by connected is we're all connected in the sense of we are all on this earth trying to figure it out. It doesn't mean I have a kinship with you on that level. To me, connection does not equal kinship. It doesn't mean that you're my family by choice. It means that you're my family on earth, whether I like you or not. We all are connected. We all have things we have to figure it out. And in that aspect, that is what I mean when I say like my brother in spirit, my sister in spirit, my relative in spirit, because that's really for some all that we're connected by. Now, I got my boo friends. Y'all are my boo friends. My boo friends are obviously my family of choice. That's who I choose to say, hey, even though I got an involuntary connection with you, because we all on earth trying to figure it out, 
voluntarily I'm connecting with you because we are aligned. And that's the difference to me when it comes to like when people try to separate spirit and feelings and detachment, all that other bullshit, because it is bullshit to me. There is no transcending of nothing. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't be here in the different forms that we have. If we were really transcending the human experience, then you would be dead physically to me. You'll be a ball of energy, mobbing around the universe, kicking it. You know what I'm saying? You'll be doing your thing. If you transcended the spirit experience, then why are you on earth trying to figure things out humanly as well? So to me, I'm just like, eh. Now, I do believe that you can transcend the labels put on us in the human experience. There are some people that, you know what I'm saying, they have such a great message. They transcended certain things about them that were put on them by society, which I think is cool. But in terms of transcending the basics, no, I don't think that's possible. And I'm not in the business of trying to separate the two or trying to over intellectualize that because they are connected. Why would I try to why would I try to deconstruct something that to me can't be deconstructed? If I have a mind, body, spirit experience, why would I want to take the spirit out of it? That wouldn't serve me. I would be missing something if I didn't have the spirit experience. Why would I want to just take this all out and say, okay, take the body out of it. So now I got to ignore my vessel. No, this to me, everything is systemic. It works together. Just like mental health. Everything is systemic. While we there, you know what? Let's just purge about that too because I got a lot to say. We 25 minutes in. It's been a while. Let's go there. Everything is systemic when it comes to mental health. As a person who can talk her shit with a degree now. With a master's in social work or master's of social work as a person who has worked in mental health and still works in mental health. I do not like the conversation that I see online because it comes off a lot of times. Not every single time because there's some good folks on social media that do great work. But sometimes for a select group, it comes off like positioning and jockeying for attention. And it makes me wonder, is you doing the work? Or are you trying to be seen? Because a lot of times I see a lot of dumb arguments that don't make sense to me. Licensed versus unlicensed. Okay. Um, master's degree versus doctorate degree. Um, published versus unpublished. Um, peer support versus professional. For those who don't know, peer support groups are groups of people that might have lived experience with um, mental wellness or some of the issues with mental wellness. It may not necessarily have the credentialing and degrees to do so versus a person that might be professional, might have gone to school, might have gotten their licensing, etc. So I see a lot of little versus arguments. And when I see people do that, that lets me know they work not strong enough. Yeah, it's a bold statement to make it. I don't give a fuck. And the reason why I don't is because if you really do good work, you would not spend time trying to disqualify other people that you don't know simply because you've gotten something that may or may not be up for critique when it's time. The reason why I say this is because, again, I have great mentors that are degreed up, okay? I'm talking highest of the high, respected in their community. They do, they do great work. So it's not a shot to them. It's not even a shot to myself because, again, I'm on both sides. I've been peer. I've been professional. So I know what that's like. But at the same time, I also know there are great people who have access issues that I think a lot of professional folks in mental wellness don't realize, especially from those that kind of talk from a, a black space or from a social justice center space. It's like when you when you claim that you're for 
the community or when you claim that you're a social justice centered professional when it comes to this kind of work and then you disqualify people forgetting that there's systemic inequities that make them unable to access the stuff that we got in order to be call ourselves professional what have you you're perpetuating the same bullshit of the dehumanization of your own people that you might not even realize that you're doing let's say that again if you're going to weaponize your degrees, your licensure, whatever, and claim to be a person that's an advocate for a specific community or claim to be justice, social justice centered, if that's what you're doing, you're only perpetuating the systemic issues that have people like you stuck without being able to provide care. Like, imagine me being a person that had a felony and I could never go to school or get licensed as a counselor or as a therapist. Imagine me, a black woman who has a felony on her record, who cannot go to school. I don't, but I'm just saying, Just I want y'all to, to ride with me on this example. If I was a black woman with a felony and I had no access to schooling or licensure because of a mistake I made in my past, but I have a passion for advocacy and I have a passion for mental wellness work and I'm following people that I think are great, that understand my experience as a black woman, that understands that, you know, there's, there's, there's a lack of need and a lack of practitioners for care. And I just want to do what I want to do to help serve the community. And my fave who got a license or if my fave who got a degree going to tell me that my work ain't valid because I don't have a license like they do or because I don't have the degree that they have. You just perpetuating the same systemic oppression you claim to be speaking against. And I know a lot of people don't like hearing that because unfortunately they don't even realize they doing that. But I think because I came up in a pure social justice centered space, it's easier for me to see the bull. But I, I realized that as much as I could go and talk about it, and I've, and I've talked about how I don't want to weaponize my degrees. I realized that at the end of the day, like I, I can only I can only do what I do and I can only do it as best I can. And I can only hope that people understand that it's not a perfect field, but it is a field that is systemic in nature. And I can only bring attention to the, the systemic aspect of care. It's not always just therapy. Sometimes people need money to pay for rent. Sometimes it's not depression. It's lack of resources. Sometimes it's not always, um, you know, cut that person off. It's actually abuse. And it takes a lot more work to exit an abusive situation. So it's a lot of nuance in a field that I think that a lot of us spend time trying to create general things for. And it's not like, for instance, there's two examples of people that were licensed that I had an issue with. And I'm not going to call them out because this is not that kind of episode. I don't want to be that that person calling folks out, especially when, um, they haven't done anything to me per se. Y'all know I will call somebody out if I need to. I haven't done it in a few years because, you know, it is, you know, people have been in a lane and that's cool. And speaking of lanes, I think that when it comes to, you know, mental wellness work, I think everyone has a place here. Now, wellness is a $1.5 trillion industry globally. $1.5 trillion. And I think what I'm seeing is that a lot of practitioners, whether licensed or not, or whether pure or not, or, you know what I'm saying, whether multifaceted or not, a lot of people are seeing that there's a lot of money to be made, even if you get point zero 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 one of the one point five trillion. I think that's where a lot of these startups are coming from. I think that's where a lot of the AI stuff is coming from. How do we merge this with tech? And, you know, tech is big business as well. I think a lot of stuff is happening with the the it's like the gold rush of mental wellness. There's a lot of gold to be had. It is an industry that is growing it's an industry that will always have a need because there's always someone that needs help. The pandemic had one out of two Americans struggling with anxiety and depressive um, depression symptoms. That is a fact. You can Google that. 
So I know that it's a lot of money to be made in this field. Now, at the same time, I feel like, again, because there's a lot of money to be made, it's a lot of brands that are popping up trying to get a piece of the pie. I don't knock it because we, we know, unfortunately, I don't really care for the American version of capitalism. But I know that you, in order to survive, you got to do what you got to do. So I'm not going to knock it. I myself have a membership I'm doing in terms of a safe space outside of social media. That's launching in like a week. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm against it. But I'm against it when people go out of their lanes and when they start being catty and petty and when they're disingenuous. That is where I knock the hustle. Okay, because I do believe in practitioners being paid for their work. But what I don't like is um, I saw three things actually that I'll bring up. So the first thing I saw was a doctor. Um, she's a white woman. Uh, she's a doctor of psychology. Again, I'm not going to name these people because it's not that kind of episode. I don't want to be messy. I just want to use this for informative purposes so that people understand what exactly is going on. Because I know people that are, are in certain fields, like even as an esthetician, like I'm not an esthetician, right? But I know that estheticians, like that's a money making machine. It's, it's like, it's a lot of that popping up. So I know that, you know, I may not know the ins and outs of being an esthetician, but I do know it's a lot of that stuff popping up the same way. A lot of y'all might see a lot of therapists or other clinicians or counselors or even spiritual folks talk about mental wellness. Like it's a lot of that that we see, which means obviously it's marketable. And when it's marketable, that means it's profitable. So, and, and it's viable to make more money. But going back to the person that I saw um, on the doctorate with the doctorate of psychology, who's a practicing therapist, which is concerning. She said, no, no, no. The person who was a practicing <laughs> four things. Oh, wow. Let's just get this out of the way. So the first one I saw that's a practicing doctor, she has said something like on Twitter. And this is where I feel like, again, when people want to be a star or, or kind of be on social media, they don't realize how um, how dehumanizing or how it, how dismissive or invalidating some of their content is. Um, but they said, yeah, I just want to create a video of myself saying, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, acting like I'm writing notes. And then people can say they went to therapy. I'm like, that's a terrible, that's not even, as a practicing person, I wouldn't even put that on my professional account. I wouldn't even post that. Like, like that's a bad, it's a, it's dangerous because now you're making it sound like you're just there to show up and say, mm-hmm, okay, all right, mm-hmm, okay. And then you can sit and say you went to therapy. Like, that's not funny to me. And maybe again, because I came up in a social justice space, because I am a person that's kind of like, I don't think that's funny. Um, I also look at people's position in the power structure when I see it so to see a white woman do that I was kind of like wow okay um I do have some white women colleagues that do not do that so that was just kind of wild to me that if someone was considering going to a therapist and that was the first thing they would see is somebody making a mockery of what they do which is healing work that would turn me off of therapy so I was like wow that's wild the second thing I saw was a doctor um a doctor saying red flags. This is a matter of fact, let me go backwards. Last week, I saw a great tweet and the person had said, hey, you don't have to have a PhD to be an expert. And I said, yes, I love it because that is true. We are the experts of our experience. Nobody will know that better than you. So I'm thinking, yeah, wait, I done seen his name in some bullshit before. Let me look this up again because i didn't seen this woman name before and i don't before nah so i look and i remember 
There was a tweet less than six months earlier in January where she said a red flag is when someone who is not a licensed mental health professional writing books. I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, is it Uchi Wally or is it one mic? Like, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. You just sat here and said on one end last week and i'm like at some point is it is it about being profound or is it about like what is it what exactly are we what's the motive when we say stuff like this as professionals that's wild to me so on one end a person can don't have to be a phd to have an expert but they got to have a license to write a book that's bs to me if a person dealing with depression can write about their experience as a person living with depression they don't have to be licensed they got their experience they got their live experience so what we don't have to qualify them that's BS. And again, that goes back to the systemic oppression of trying to qualify and validate people based on institutional standards. I'm not going to sit there and tell somebody who lived their life 35 years old with depression that they can't write no damn book because they don't have a license. That's dumb. Now, if that person is trying to write a book saying they went to school and didn't go to school and lying, okay, that's different. Again, if everyone stays in their own lane, it's not a problem. But... When you don't stay in your lane, you start tripping over your words and start tripping over your stances, which doesn't make sense because you are not in your lane as what you were hired to do. And you want to be an expert on X, Y, Z. Now you contradicting yourself because you literally are validating and invalidating people in the same breath. It doesn't make sense to me. So me, I look at it like this. I can understand why folks want to qualify folks i get it i can't understand why folks may want to invalidate some dangerous rhetoric i totally understand that too but i also know that a lot of people are smart and they can tell when folks is bsing and it's coming to light it's a lot of things that people are starting to kind of expose in terms of whether people are getting quality stuff or not there's ebooks that are being exposed there's um there's there's guides and how to's that are generic that people are starting to kind of pick up on. So to me, it's like sometimes you got to trust your people to, to get it. You don't have to always spoon feed them every single thing. Sometimes you just have to do such good work that people will say, yo, this is not what I'm used to compared to X, Y, Z. And they'll know the difference. That's just me, though. But what I look like talking about people that ain't got no degrees all damn day. As a master of social work, people that don't have master of social work aren't qualified to talk about mental health because they don't have the, they don't have the training. So I'm like, that's that. You see how dumb that sounds? I don't. I'm not gonna sit here and build a brand off of that. I think that is so corny. It is so corny. But the the third thing I saw was, um, don't ever trust coaches. If they're a coach, they're not, if they're not a licensed therapist and they're coaching, they're just trying to give you therapy and lie and say it's coaching. And those that are therapists that move to coaching, they must be unethical because they don't want to follow the rules. Again, this could be broken down to many different ways. On one end, I can understand the concern of coaches giving therapy because you're not supposed to do that. Ethically speaking, technically, you aren't supposed to do that. And I, and I totally get that and I totally understand that and I respect that. But to just make an overarching assumption because that somebody doesn't want to quote unquote follow the rules and ethics of that nature that they shouldn't be considered as a coach. I think that's BS too. I do. I think a lot of times, um, sometimes there's jealousy. Not for everybody, but a lot of times I think there is jealousy because therapists can only charge so much. Coaches be out here riding and there's no regulating authority for coaches either. Like it's not illegal or illegal or unethical that there's nothing that you can report a coach to. There's no governing board or... um 
licensing board that you can report issues to. So I understand the concern with that. But also, again, I also see a tiny bit of jealousy because a lot of these coaches be making bank. They do. If you can get you a client, if you can get you five clients, and I'm keeping, we keeping it real today. If you can get five clients that's going to roll with you for three months for $10,000, that's $50,000 for three months. You make it $50,000 a quarter. That's $200,000 a year. Meanwhile, you got folks like myself who are at graduating school, unlike myself, who may not necessarily want to do entrepreneurship. Because you obviously, y'all, y'all know I have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. It's in my DNA. But literally. So I'm going to always have a want to work for self. Even if I do hyper entrepreneurship and work for other people, I'm going to always have something of my own going on, as y'all know. Um, but there are some people who do not want to do that. But when you do not want to do that and you're coming out of school, there are some some places I've seen that have had job listings as low as 16 an hour, which I will never take. You could you could write you put that on the record. I will never accept no job paying that. After going into all this debt for school, after going through all these hours and having to accumulate 2000 hours for licensure, I can understand some of the 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 tightness of the chest with certain therapists because they know that they've had to put in a lot more work and struggle a lot more financially while these coaches that don't have to be regulated or um, they kind of do their own thing while they while they may bank. I'm not saying this is everyone's struggle, but for some people, I have heard it out their mouth that that is an issue they have with coaches. So when I see people go so hard on coaches online, not because of lack of competency and, and things that are egregious that they can actually factually state and observe and say, yo, I've seen this. This is factually incorrect. And this is actually out of their scope. I'm not seeing a lot of that. It's a, it's a lot of issues about the potentiality because they look successful and appear successful. And for some, they might be successful. And they don't have to go through all of that type of work in order to get there in terms of like the credentialing piece and the school requirements, and things of that nature. Some people don't like coaches because of that. But what I will say is vet your coaches if you're going to get one. Um, I have seen therapists be coaches. Coaches cannot be therapists. Therapists can be coaches. So I have seen therapists be coaches. That doesn't make them unethical to me. I mean, technically what I'm doing with my membership could probably be considered coaching, but it's not like, I just feel like what is the, it doesn't make them any less competent. It doesn't. Um, I've seen coaches never go to school a day in their life. And they just, and matter of fact, I know one right now, Audrey Richmond. Audrey Richmond is one of the best coaches I ever had in marketing. One of the best ever. Audrey does not have a degree from a university. And even though you don't need a, a license to practice marketing like you would therapy, and honestly, you don't need one to practice coaching. What I'm saying is that when you do good work and when you have a good breadth of knowledge and skill sets that you can teach to other people, um, sometimes you don't need a degree. But again, I can understand the situation if someone is saying, you know, you're teaching therapy and it's and you don't have um, the experience. Like, because I know sometimes... People kind of start Googling things and they're like, okay, well, I've read this book and I know how to practice it. And then they kind of start charging people to practice on when in actuality they don't really know what they're doing. I can totally get that. But I'm not seeing a lot of examples of folks trying to do that. So it's almost like, what exactly are we mad about? Is it at the earning potential we mad at? Is it the lack of evidence-based, um, ev- like evidence-based 
um, support in terms of what they're doing? Are they practicing something egregiously? Are they doing something to where it's more harmful? Are they diagnosing people when they shouldn't be diagnosing people? Like, are they trying to like, you know, prescribe a medication? Like, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, what exactly is the issue with coaches that are actually not overstepping their bounds as a coach? I just think sometimes people get mad because we don't do things the way they want us to do it. Just like with the student loans. You mad like people that paid their student loans. Why are you mad that people don't want to? Um, why are you mad that people are, are not wanting to pay their student loans because the president told them they would? Like, why are you mad about that? Well, I had to pay. So you have to pay. That's kind of how I be feeling about some of the people that are therapists. There are some of them, not a lot of them, because a lot of them are really great. But that's select five percent of them. That be yapping online. I feel like that 5% feels like that. Well, I had to do it, so I want you to do it, which goes back to systemic oppression and control because you went through the system and now you want people to do it like you did it or else it's not good based on what you did. But again, that's just how I view it. And what is the fourth thing? The fourth thing, so um, Licensure doesn't always equal competency. Degrees don't always equal competency. And when I say these things, I'm saying it as a person who has been on both sides, who understands both sides. And I can also know that there's always room for error on both sides. Um, I, I mean, if things are a practice, there's always the opportunity for things to be malpractice. Okay, doctors. Um, doctors have mal- medical malpractice all the time. Um, even with, you know, therapy and social workers, you have to get insurance because, you you know, there's a situation where there may be an issue where there's a malpractice issue like or lawsuit. It can happen. So I understand that things do not always go according to plan for whatever reason. Um, but again, when you try to weaponize your degrees, um, it doesn't it just never seems to work out well and not even weaponize. But I mean, well, Weaponized can look many different ways. To me, I think weaponizing degrees kind of looks like automatically feeling like you're going to be right because of the fact that you have um, your degree and your licensure. And you might actually be wrong or you might have an opportunity, a missed opportunity to explain the nuance and you don't um, because of whatever reason. Um, Case in point. And again, I'm not trying to be messy. I'm not trying to attack this person. I'm not going to say her name. She was a licensed therapist. And she had just graduated, if I remember correctly. And congratulations to her, um, where she has said wanting to lose 20 pounds was fat phobic. And she tried to do it in a video form for a social media app. And then she got dragged on the Internet because a lot of people had disagreed with her take. Now, in this case, I do I do I think that she had good intentions when trying to explain this? Yes. Do I think that she chose the wrong platform to explain it? Yes. Do I think her being a licensed therapist or a recent graduate of a program makes her automatically right? No. And the reason why I say this is certain things on these topics with mental wellness, especially things that are triggering like fat phobia, I feel like certain things are not meant for 60 seconds. Um, I feel like certain things have so much nuance we should be kidding. I say we because I'm never above my own advice. And I'm going to probably end up having to take my advice at some point as well. I think we should be careful with not at least having a disclaimer that there's a nuance. Or at least putting it in a different context for different situations. Versus attaching a hot take to a big belief. And then just kind of letting people do what they will. 
to me, I understand what she's trying to say about fat phobia and how that is a problem in our society. And I agree with her. I do. Um, I do understand that with the the field of mental wellness and especially social work, social work is always an ever changing field. Even the DSM that people swear and live and die by is a living document. And that's why I kind of feel how I feel about the DSM because I'm like, it's always changing. So on one end, some person could have, matter of fact, let's keep it a thousand. Having these feelings of wanting to be trans and things of that nature, that was a that was a mental issue in the DSM. As recent as what, 1994? Gender dysmorphia, if I remember correctly. So again, going back to the systemic thing, the way I look at it is some of this stuff is always ever changing. So before we get our minds wrapped around one ideology, understand that there's always a possibility of it evolving and changing or being completely um invalidated at some point in time because obviously what we see now with with the growing rise of folks wanting to um you know transition in 1994 that probably would not have been the case because it would have been diagnosed as you got an issue with your mental and you need to go handle that so it's a weird it's a weird thing that we're in when it comes to that i mean they were taking out you know grief extended grief that was a thing in the dsm and i'm like that's a thing if you're grieving for a long period of time that's not regular normal grief quote unquote normal grief. If you're having issues that stemming from a, a a a an episode of loss, like that, you know, why not put that in the DS and why are we getting so anyway, I have a lot of takes. I have a lot of things to say, but I probably won't have enough time to say it on here. Um oh we forty mate forty eight minutes in? Okay, well let's keep going. So um going back to fat phobia though. So I'm saying that I understand there's certain things that might have been cool back in the day might not, you know what I'm saying or acceptable might not be as acceptable now like you know i get it i get it so going back to her thing with fat phobia i understand what she's trying to say about societal standards saying hey not being happy with yourself unless you're 20 pounds lighter could probably be considered fat phobic because societal standards have put this in your brain that you are not good enough or attractive or whatever unless you have 20 pounds that could be one that could be one slice of the pie with the discussion. But unfortunately, with something like fat phobia, it's a pie that has like 100 slices. <laughs> and everybody's not going to pick the same slice. So for one, if I had a client that was 600 pounds and the doctor, their medical doctor is telling them, hey, you need to start losing pounds and we have a goal of 20 pounds or else this might lead to potential health issues. How the hell I look as a therapist telling them that's fat phobic? Your doctor just told you there's medical evidence of you possibly having issues if you don't lose the 20 pounds. So why would I, as the, as the therapist or the social worker, tell you it's fat phobic? If it's a medical related issue, how is it fat phobic? So that's one thing. And one thing I'm not going to do on this Internet is argue medical stuff with mental health stuff, because although they work together, they're separate. The body is the body. And they know about the body. They should at least. And in terms of the mind, the feeling, somatic expressions, then we should probably jump in there and work together. But in terms of trying to discredit one thing based on an ideology without considering the context of what the other person is going through in other facets of their wellness experience, that's what I'm not going to do. So that's why I disagree with the licensed therapist. Take about it because I'm like, you have to consider the client's needs in every other aspect of their experience. Some people might say, hey, I just want to fit my clothes better. doesn't make or break me as a person. I just want to be 20 pounds lighter. Sometimes it doesn't always mean there's a, a mental issue. Some people just kind of want to do what they want to do. But because in society, we always want to try to, 
intellectualize and pick apart shit that we forget that people just have their choices and that's it it's always where's the root where's the root where's the root and it's like well do you spend enough time rooting yourself as much as you root other people sometimes people are like yo i just want to just want to lose the weight i i haven't been active since covid like i want to get more active and i just want to get moving around because i've been sitting at the house all day i've been working from home or i was sad and i just want to get back moving again like there's so many different parts of people that these type of bra ideologies, and I'm not even just saying about this specifically, but we just can't put these things on people without considering who they are as people. You feel me? Like, I don't think that's fair. I don't. It's a homeboy I've been following on and offline on Instagram and on different social media apps since like 2014. And he know who he is. We don't talk often, but when I see him, he's working to lose weight. He was weighing, I think, 600 pounds at one point. Like, he's losing weight for his health. Like, how? No, that's fair phobic. Like, why Why the hell would I say something like that to him? Like, it's just certain things I wish that as content creators, like, I feel like everybody's not a content creator. And I think, and you can tell based on how things are created. Like, you can tell the tone, you know, in terms of whether it's, let me, I want to choose my words carefully on this. We have, we, we, we. Professional people, we have to be very careful, especially us in, in healing work and service professions. We have to be careful not to create content that invalidates people in their experience. Again, all I'm saying is put the disclaimer that there is nuance and that you understand that all cases may not be the same. I had to get this off my chest because I've been watching it for years. And then once I got in the mix with school, it just seemed like this boom of, of um, because I got in during the pandemic. Like, so it seemed like when the pandemic started, it was just this boom of just mental wellness content. And it really concerned me. And like I said, I kind of kept it cute. And I was like, let me just put my head down, studying these books and work with my clients, how I was working with them, because I still, you know, had things to do. And I had my clients off of here and I was, you know, minding my business. But now that I'm done, I got time. I got time. What they said on the on the video today, I got time because so I get it. I got time, but um, I probably won't be spending a lot of time talking about this. I just wanted to get it off my chest because, again, um, I've been out of school for a few days and um, I've just been kind of catching up on some of the things I've been seeing and some of the things I want to talk about. I was actually going to do a whole different episode outside of this, but things just kind of flow sometimes. Sometimes you got to get things off your spirit and say what you got to say. So, um, yeah, I am really excited to do some things do I feel like pulling from my deck I think I will so for those that don't know I have a deck that I'm creating it is not like any deck y'all seen before whether mental wellness or spiritual or black girl deck and I'm proud of it um I really am I'm proud of it because again I do have the professional experience um I have the degree so it's really from a, a mix of both. It's from a mix of a perspective of someone who works in the field, someone who didn't work in the field, someone who has her experience as a black woman. And um, I look forward to sharing that with y'all very soon. And I might do daily readings on it. I don't know. We'll see. But I had to put my phone down. I'm shuffling my cards. I will let you know. If you're on the text list or the email list, you will know when my deck comes out. So if you have not, text the word homegirl10 to 81493. You might want to do so, boo friend, because only they will find out when everything is coming out first. 
All right, let's see. All right, so <laughs> that's so funny. So I like I like three. Hold on, let me pull another card. All right, the message from my deck, my homegirl deck, is um that's not the name of it either, but from my custom made deck that I created, we got three messages here. I'm gonna see if I can knock it out in one sentence. You need to um move around. Like I said earlier, ironically, be very stingy with your energy. And you need to have a spirit of gratitude to prepare for what's coming. So again, you need to move around. You have your energy on extra stingy. You need to get ready to um, have a spirit of gratitude to receive what's on the way. So with that being said, y'all, I think it's the perfect time to end it here. I've not talked this long in a while, but I hope y'all are still with me. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Not not hope. We're working on the adjusting the category. I trust that you got something out of it. And if you did, please share it with someone that could use the messages. Um, what else? I already talked about the email and text list just now. But if you forgot, you can um, click the link in my show notes to sign up for either one. Uh, my membership community will be launching. It will only be open to those that's on the email and text list. It's going to have a lot of things. Um, and it's only going to be offered to my email and text list at this time for a... No, I'm going to leave that out. I'm going to leave that out. Just know, if you want to text an email list, it's open to you. And then once I open it up to everyone else, it will never be um, offered the same way again. So I will leave that part at that. I'm so, social media. I'm spiritual homegirl everywhere. Um, if you see anybody using my name that I trademark and own, spiritual homegirl, to promote themselves online, please report them in for impersonation because clearly that's impersonation. Um, word to the attorney. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, please go ahead and um, report them. I did have a situation where someone had used four different names to try to scam as me, try to use my pictures. I had a whole conversation with them like, why are you doing this? Like, you don't have to, like, come on, bro. Like, chill out. So um, that's also <laughs> just saying, again, if you see someone copying, you don't know what they're doing. They might be scamming. They, I, who knows? But either way, they're not me. So um, and not to mention, I would never reach out to you for a reading that's bad spiritual hygiene anyway and that's not professional you never go soliciting readings for people that's like asking to open somebody mail i was taught that way and i would never do that to anybody so if you ever got a message from someone using my likeness or my pictures or even varied versions of my name trying to get you to do a reading and talk about trust the ancestors to give me money i would never say that okay so please stay on game all right so with that being said y'all i'm about to give me something to eat give me a nice plant-based meal and uh, this has been another episode of the spiritual homegirl podcast this version of the podcast and this era of the podcast is obviously live raw direct unfiltered and unpolished okay and i think that i like being raw sometimes i think i'm kind of in this stage and i think when it's time to uh, polish up and get the production back i will but as of right now it's just me and a microphone i really enjoy that but remember, I love you, trust the journey, and trust yourself. I'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.